Welcome to Shades Injustice Podcast. We are excited to be here today, and we have with us on today a very special guest, a long way from Kansas City, Kansas, and I'm going to let her in just a second introduce herself. Let me read just a little bit of the information we found out about her. Her name is Anna Nasset, and if I crucified that last name, feel free to correct me in a few minutes. She's the owner of Stand Up Resources, which provides training and stalking and sexual assault and graphic and web design for victim service agencies. So Miss Anna got my attention because I read a little bit of her story of having a stalker uh, invade her life. So uh, Miss Anna, take it away. Let's learn more about what you do. Thank you so much for having me here today, Hill. It's an honor. I'm joining you from the hills of Vermont. Um, and so, yes, I have a business called Stand Up Resources. And what I do is I provide training to first responders and victim service providers on how to better work with victims of crime re regarding gender-based violence. Um, my specialty is in stalking as a victim and survivor of stalking for the last decade. Um, but I train on other subjects such as sexual assault awareness, bystander prevention, suicide awareness, um, just to name a few. And then I also do kind of very specific graphic and web design for victim service agencies. So currently I'm working on um, a project for restorative justice centers here in my state. I'm working on a project for the St. Joseph's Orphanage Restorative Justice Inquiry, um, dealing with children who were sexually assaulted at an orphanage in the 1960s. And um, yeah, so that's a bit about me. I also have a podcast called The Mend um, that tackles these subjects and um, working on a book and do macrame on the side. That's my other little business. <laughs> well, that is awesome. And thank you so much for sharing that. I literally found your information on a website called In End Violence Against Women International, E-V-A-W-I. And how did you get connected with that organization? So I generally speak at a couple of different conferences every year, and one of them is Avawi and Violence Against Women International. And um, I, about a year and a half ago, emailed them and asked if they were looking for any new board members, because uh, I think it's really important for survivors' voices to be able um, to be at the table where these decisions are being made. You know, they push for a lot of legislation. They do a lot of training, specifically with law enforcement and so I just, you know, put it out there and said, hey, would you be interested? I don't know what I could give y'all, but would you be interested? Because I feel like in life we have to do that. You know, we yes. have to advocate for ourselves and Absolutely. put ourselves out there. And so I became an associate board member and then just got asked to serve on the board of directors. So I'm such an honor to serve with this very legendary organization who was trained countless, countless um, first responders across the globe for the last 20 years. Boy, that's awesome. So your story is fascinating to me. Uh, do you mind sharing a little information about the stalker who was in your space? You, I think this might be something that's not 
We don't hear about it much on uh, World News Tonight or Fox News or CNN, but stalking is happening every day around the globe. And so I wanted to highlight um, this area that we don't hear much about. So your story being what it is, I think would really help our listeners. Yeah. So I think it's important for us to first start with the definition of stalking because people get very confused by it. It is a crime in all 50 states and all territories. It is a crime um, to paraphrase the Department of Justice definition of it. It is a series of behaviors or series of repeated behaviors that causes a reasonable person fear for their safety or the safety of others around them. And so that can be surveillance, unwanted gifts, threats, um, unwanted contact, impersonating somebody, all of those things combined um, that create, give a reasonable person fear for their safety or others is what stalking is. And the majority of people know the person that stalked them. So 85% of people who are stalked, it's either from a former intimate partner, um, a friend, a family member, an acquaintance. So there's a very small percentage that have the story like mine do was a stranger that stalked me. So we fall kind of into that 15%. Um, So for me, I was living out in Washington state and owned a successful art gallery. And in 2011, a man I didn't know approached my gallery and gave me the gift of a painting and said he wanted to show artwork at my gallery. Um, What I didn't realize at the time was that he had already been stalking me for several years. Um, I wouldn't find that out till 2019 that he'd probably been watching me since 2008 or 2009. Um, But he came into my life in 2011. And, you know, I quickly just kind of dismissed his artwork. I wasn't interested in showing it. And he started to really like his stalking really started through social media, sending me messages. We weren't friends on Facebook, but you could, you know, easily send messages. And I started to really first become aware that there was an issue when he would start to comment on my physical appearance And then also start to comment, like he would send me messages and say, it was nice to see you today. I was like, I haven't seen this guy anywhere. I don't understand why he's saying it was nice to see me today. So I really just kind of checked in with my gut and was like, there's something wrong here. And because we as society don't really take stalking seriously, those around me initially were like, oh, you're overacting. He just has a little crush, this or that. Um, but I just kind of kept checking in with myself and went to law enforcement where they affirmed my perceptions. And um, I would come to find out that he was a serial stalker. Um, unfortunately, he has a mental health diagnosis of schizophrenia. Um, you know, I always feel like it's important to say most people with schizophrenia do not stalk. Like most people that have a mental health diagnosis live beautiful and brilliant lives. His just happens to manifest in this way. So over the course of the years, he would end up serving time in jail for stalking me. I was granted a lifetime protection order against him. Um, eventually, I would have to close my business because of it, because the last place you want to be when you're being stalked is where they know you are. And yes. so what was my beautiful business turned into such a place of fear and potential violence? Because um, in the end, unfortunately, the way his stalking has manifested he believes that we are married, but he also wants to murder me. So it kind of goes back and forth. And so ultimately I had to close my business and my life just became a shell of what it once was like from being this, you know, young community business owner 
to just kind of hidden up in my apartment. And um, through a long series of events, I eventually would decide to move because I just knew that I was never going to be able to find freedom living there where I was mm-hmm. at in Washington, even though I loved my community in town so much. Um, if you were to look at my social media now, it's still more of my old town in Port Townsend than it is of my life in Vermont. Um, but I moved out here and thought I would be able to just kind of hide away. And he eventually did figure out where I was and started threatening me again. And in 2019, it took us about two years to build a case against him. But in 2019, we went to trial and um, he was found guilty in a bench trial. So just a judge overseeing it, um, which was his decision. He acted as his own counsel. Um, Oftentimes, stalkers will use the criminal justice system to continue to commit the crime because they can use that to actually be able to talk to us. Um, Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He took me to court a couple of times and that was really, it's just like, they can use that. Cause it's like, I legally have to show up and he gets to speak to me. So he acted as his own counsel and, um, he chose it to be a bench trial. So just the judge overseeing it. And he would end up being found guilty of aggravated felony stalking and felony cyber stalking, which held a maximum of 10 years in prison. And, you know, I was told there's no way we're going to get 10 years. No one's ever gotten 10 years. Um, so I wrote a really good victim impact statement and was able to read it from my home or from here in Vermont to the courtroom in Washington. And he was sentenced to the full 10 years, um, which at the time, two years ago, was one of the longest, if not the longest sentence in our nation's history for the crime of stalking. Mm-hmm. So well, that's congrats. the very quick version. Yes. Well, congratulations on that sentencing and Thank for you. being brave enough to stick with it because I'm sure there were many days when you were very discouraged uh, about the whole process and the criminal justice system and him alone just being able to use the system to see you. Oh, that is pretty messed up. So thank you for sharing that and for your courage to move forward with that whole thing. You mentioned in one of our previous conversations, you had taken a different mindset when it came to the criminal justice system. Would you please just share that mindset with our audience? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, now I know so much more, especially now that I train law enforcement and different people, like, When it first all started, you know, when I went into the police station, I was met with like just a lot of empathy and kindness. And it wasn't until years later, I would find out that was not the norm. (laughs) Um, And that's really, you know, a lot of times, especially like I said, when 85% of people know the person that's stalking them, when they walk into law enforcement, they are told they're overreacting. They are told like, you know, what's your proof? Like you have to be your own detective. You have to be your own advocate. And so that's really pushed me to go out and speak and train Mm -hmm. because I do feel like if any factor was different in my situation, um, if I wasn't, you know, at the time, I mean, if I wasn't a white woman of privilege in a small community who didn't know this man, would I be sitting here today? I don't know. Mm, Yeah. Um, I would, there's a very good chance I'd be dead. And so I really am passionate about, training law enforcement and the criminal justice system to say, hey, if we look at this crime and take it seriously, 
we can prevent murders. We can absolutely 100% homicides, prevent homicides by taking this crime seriously. And so I just really try and approach that work with positivity, with saying all the things that they did right for me with, um, yeah, coming in with kind of, this is like, this is what worked for me. It might not work for everyone, but these are the things that really work for me. And these little small things that you can do make such a huge difference um, yes. in working with a victim and survivor and helping us keep that stamina to continue on. Because like you said, it was arduous. It was just horrific to have to continue this battle. And, you know, it's not like it is on TV where it's one episode right. and like everything's solved. <laughs> Yeah, it took us two years to build this case to go to trial. And that was after, you know, six or seven years of him stalking me. So mm-hmm. that taking these things seriously and really understanding that you have to put victim and survivor at the table with you mm-hmm. is one of my passions and how I just want to kind of reimagine what the criminal justice system can look like. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What do you recommend for women who have been involved or who are presently, um, who presently have a stalker in their lives? Yes. What are some steps they can take? Yes. So I know that this is more of a women focused podcast, but I do yes. want to say like this happens to men as well. Yes. Um, um, so actually statistically speaking, one in six women and one in 17 men will be stalked in their lifetime. So I think for anybody listening, the first thing is you want to document everything. You want to document, screenshot, save everything. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I would take pictures. I would take my cell phone and take pictures of the the gallery phone when he he was calling. I just documented every single thing uh, because you are your own detective. You you know, you have to collect the evidence. Uh, this is different than other crimes where there's, you know, a bastion mailbox or a yes. sexual assault. Like, so documenting everything is huge. I really recommend to anybody that they go to their local advocacy center and get an advocate before going to law enforcement. We have this misconception that we see like domestic violence and sexual assault um, centers, and we don't realize that they also serve stalking victims, but they do. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really huge to have that extra person with you to help you navigate the process, because especially with stalking, it's a psychological crime. They're trying to rip your brain apart. Mm -hmm. And so you're in a place of constant trauma, constant fear. So having an advocate who understands the legal system is huge. Um, Mm -hmm. So I really highly recommend that as well. Safety planning is a huge one, like figuring out different ways to, you know, parking your car, different locations, having a friend's walk with you, things like that. All of that's really important as well. Um, Self-defense can be really important too, as far as empowering you and also keeping you safe. So really kind of coming up with the plan that's going to work the best for you to Mm -hmm. make you feel the most safe. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, Be your own detective, self-defense. This is what really got me. Have a advocate that is familiar with the criminal justice system. That's huge because so many women wouldn't even think of, okay, I need to get an advocate. They would get a friend who doesn't know as much as you do, you know, go somewhere and get some professional help. Man, that would 
that would make the difference between night and day. Those are awesome uh, things to share. It really does. And I think that, you know, I've never hired a lawyer. I've never hired private counsel. Everyone that's worked on my case was just doing their job. And so there are so many people out there that are advocates that are passionate about this and understand the system. So you, you nailed it on the head of just like having those people with you that yes. can walk you through. Yes. So this, this goes right in with my next question about, please describe your support system. So I see a little bit of it there, but this is what I noted during my walk in this uh, new series at Shades and Justice podcast with breaking layers of injustice for women. I've had a woman reach out to me from New York who is, I'm asking her, she's asking me, what do I do? I'm being stalked and where do I go? Where do I get some help? So I'm hoping this podcast can really help her. But what else uh, would you say to her for help in, in her support system? You know, even if it's just one friend, having somebody that you can call upon, like I've, you know, over the years had an incredible support of family, of friends. Um, I was very fortunate in that. Um, You know, in the first several years of this, especially even when I closed my business, nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew about this stalking. And I was so silent about it other than to my really close community of people Mm-hmm. And now, obviously, as a public speaker and all of that, like, I feel so different. It's like, you know, the more who know, the safer I am. And uh, uh, yes, and it can be challenging. Like I've had employers that have cut my hours and then eventually let me go. Like the only time I've ever been let go from a job was after I had to disclose to them about the stalking. Uh-huh. Um, and like, so it can be, you know, there's two sides to it where we can almost be punished because mm-hmm. we're a victim and survivor, and this is the same yes. for domestic violence and other crimes. Yes. Um, but I've also had amazing employers who just embraced me and made me feel so safe. And really, I felt just kind of held me in that space of what I was going through. So letting people know as much as you're comfortable, um, I think is a huge thing. Yeah. Letting neighbors know, um, yeah. That, that is, <laughs> that's key. And I think, this this goes in with other sexual assaults. You feel somehow shame about it, and you also somehow you're guilty when really you did nothing wrong, and there's no reason for you to be shamed. However, this psychological stuff is happening in your mind. So to have that support system and then to let people know so everybody's on the lookout for you. I think that's that's key. I think that's yeah, it does. Good matter if you dated the person that was stalking you if you're married to them it does not matter this is not your fault people need to understand appropriate behavior and but yes societally (laughs) the narrative is that it's our fault and that's something we really have to shift yes that's awesome okay what things did you do to start your healing process as i'm listening to you today you seem very strong very confident uh very futuristic living right now. Um, How did you get there? You know, I mean, it's a journey. I'm not always like I can turn it on and I can also just fall (laughs) apart. And I allow myself to do that. Um, 
You know, I allow myself to have my days where I need to be under my stack of quilts, watching yes. Gilmore Girls. Like, yes. I think that it's so important that we don't force that self-care narrative that we allow ourselves to just be. Um, yes. wow. And, you know, and I've had a really interesting experience. Like, yes, I got this amazing sentence, but a couple months later, we had a pandemic hit. And yes. and where I live in Vermont, we're still masking and doing those things. and so. I had like the briefest of window where I actually felt free. And then when it all went into lockdown and really come out of it. So it's been really interesting mm-hmm. for me to go through that and go, all right. So I'm still just living in my four walls of an apartment. And this is what's comfortable to me. I've created, you know, a really beautiful space and very crafty and like making my art. And so that's been a big thing for me is just creating a place basically out of nothing that feels cozy and safe and comforting. Um, just learning to do things like take walks alone again and understand my fears around that. Um, I, like I said, I deep dove into doing macrame and I found that really healing. It's just tying knots and like, uh-huh. it's just something really meditative and soothing about like that repetitive motion for me that kind of helps me. Um, I have my tiny little dog sitting on my lap right now. Like all of those things <laughs> kind of combined really have helped me create that space. Um, but then, like I said, like just giving myself the freedom to not be okay as well. Yes. That is so good. I love what you said. You don't do the for self-care. You just let it be. You understand there are those, t- those times. I mean, I experienced it myself when I just kind of like need my blankie, just go and just be with my blankie and that's it. Give me a few hours to watch a couple of movies, let me rest overnight. And then the next day I'm okay. Yeah. So I definitely can relate to what you're saying. Such uh, good information. How did the police and judicial system treat you when you went to court and found charges against your stalker? So for the most part, I've had like 95% really positive law enforcement interaction. Um, And, you know, like I said, like I was in a small community out in Washington. And I mean, I had some privilege of being a very public known person. Um, But across the board, like they've been really, really good. I did at one point have to go and report um, my law enforcement out in Washington was really concerned that the stalker was going to come here. So they had me go to the state police here just to let them know what was going on. So I took all my case files, everything to the state police here. And those guys basically laughed me out the door. They're like, girl, we don't know what you're doing here, why you're in here. There's nothing we can do to help you. And that's a normal thing for stalking victims to experience. Um, So once again, comes back to why I do what I do now is training them to really understand how to respond to this. But Um, I've been very fortunate within that with law enforcement. I've been very fortunate with most of the prosecuting attorneys. There was one that initially didn't pick up the case because I was in Vermont and the stalker was in Washington and the prosecuting attorney was like, oh, she's so far away. She's fine. Um, cause they get to, they get to choose which cases they're going to take on. And stalking is so challenging to prove because it's once again, a psychological crime. But ultimately, the prosecutor who took it on, um, James Kennedy, was just brilliant, so victim-centered, 
Um, I've presented with him at conferences now, like just incredible. And the judges that oversaw my case as well, I felt like really had a victim centered lens. Um, one of the initial judges from the 2012, 2013, I've presented with her as well. And so, you know, I, I'm starting to see that shift of having that more victim center approach. But, you know, I also got an email the other day from a woman I was advocating for where the judge denied her protection order and it was her ex-husband. She's like, he's going to murder me now. And so, you know, we still have so much work to do to educate within this. Yes. Thank you for that. Do you mind sharing? We're down to just a few minutes left. Would you please share um, your website and any other information you want our audience to have that uh, you can share on today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to learn more about stalking, the federal like granted um, stalking resource is Spark, stalkingawareness.org is a great place. They do not provide direct services, but it's a good place to learn more about stalking. Um, if you are in danger, please contact rain.org. They serve stalking victims. And my website is standupresources.com. And you can learn all about me and my work and um see what I'm up to. And yeah, it's just been great to be here today with you. Well, it's been absolutely awesome to have you as our special guest on today. And you have shared some wonderful, but yet very practical ideas, both for survival and for protection. Uh, Even hearing your healing process uh, was pretty amazing how you allow yourself to just take that day to do what has to be done that day. Some days are up. I love what you said. I can turn it on or I can turn it off. So that that sounds like me. I'm real good at that too. Absolutely. Thank you you again. This has been a fabulous opportunity where we have heard some really good nuggets on what to do if you have a stalker or if you are a survivor of stalking. So Miss Ann, Anna, thank you again, and we will see you again soon. If, if you're willing to come back, we could uh, possibly uh, do things a little bit different next time and uh, have a question answer period or something for a Facebook Live event. So, uh, Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Hill. My honor. Okay. Have a great day. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye.